0: chapter three of a daylight land by w h h murray this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter three a very hopeful man hope springs eternal in the human breast the ancients dreamed of monstrous beings possessed of monstrous power the christian scriptures tell of a time when there were giants on the earth and the sons of god married the daughters of men namely, of a time when the supernal forces were in alliance with the natural, and the hidden energies of the upper rain forced those of the lower sphere. Mythology is full of the same lofty imaginings. Creations of gigantic size are projected upon her canvas. Cyclops, vast, abnormal in strength, one-eyed like the headlight of our engine. Had the man who invented the Cyclops invented an engine also, I wonder? Certainly an old-fashioned cyclops would seem no more grotesque or appalling to modern scholars than a mogul engine to a native on the banks of the ambassai or the shores of nyanza then there was vulcan the mighty armourer of the gods and atlas on whose broad shoulders rested the world and minerva flashing courier of the empyrean and later on came thor with his hammer pulverizer of mountains and the whole body of folklore threaded through and through with the puissance of dwarf and gnome, of fairy and sprite. All these and other fashionings of the human mind, purely fanciful or semi-real, have come down to us from that murmuring past of which nothing remains save its murmurings, all suggestive of measureless energies, gigantic forms and mighty forces. The old-time world at least dreamed of almost infinite power, and the works of it, in connection with human forms, or forms suggested by the human. Something like this was said by a scholarly-looking man who stood with the rest of us on the platform of the rear car of the train, as it whirred round the cliff which brought us in sight of the blue waters of Lake Superior as they sparkled and flashed brightly under the light of the morning. He who has rolled for fifty miles along the shore of this majestic body of inland water, who has seen the summer sky arching the blue dome above it, its forest-covered islands, the hundreds of islets that dot its surface, its curving beaches of brown and yellow sand, its deep secluded bays and rocky promontories, has looked upon one of the most entertaining and charming pictures of the continent, a picture which delights the beholder as he gazes, and remains fixed, with all its changeful colors, in his memory ever after. "'What the ancients dreamed?' remarked the judge referring to what the scholarly-looking man had said we moderns see realized our telegraph is swifter than minerva and that common laborer who is guarding that bridge yonder can for a shilling send a message faster than they ever dreamed jupiter could do it atlas is no longer a myth we today know the power that holds up the world it is the same that keeps this car on the track gravitation cyclops is no longer a terror he is ahead of us and our engineer has him in perfect control thor is our servant and he pulverizes mountains at so much a cubic foot while the gnome that bored its way through the spur of quartz tunneling it for our passage is the diamond drill and as the judge concluded the sentence we all retired into the car to escape the smoke and the cinders it seems to me "'continued the scholarly-looking man "'after we were seated. "'That the thinkers of the world "'get more credit than they should "'as compared with the doers. "'My life has been spent "'in the pursuit of letters,' he continued, "'and my thoughts have been favored "'with a kindly reception by the world. "'My writings have brought me "'both money and fame, "'but as I have seen the excavations "'along this line, "'as I have been rolled over its bridges,' and noted that the fairy-like iron structure beneath me gave no tremor, as I have seen that the solid sides of the cliffs have been cut out for our path as if they were made of chalk, I have felt that the words, and even the thoughts of men, however eloquently expressed, were as nothing when compared with their deeds. I know not who built this road, whose imagination audaciously conceived it, or whose courage constructed it, but whoever did do it, as in it erected an imperishable monument, it is indeed a magnificent result, said a gentleman, an old gray-headed engineer from Nebraska, who surveyed the route for the Union Pacific and made for himself a name in that and other transcontinental enterprises. a magnificent work indeed, and he gazed thoughtfully through the open door at that level roadbed and gleaming rails. It costs not only millions of money. "'but human lives as well,' he continued. "'On this very section, within a space of twenty miles, "'over two millions of dollars worth of dynamite was used, "'and some men, I am told, were wounded or blown to pieces.' "'Dreadful!' exclaimed the scholarly-looking man. "'What more horrible death could a man die?' "'I do not regard death by dynamite as the worst of accidents,' said a voice. "'The devil!' "'exclaimed the judge. "'What's that, sir?' "'And every eye in the compartment "'was suddenly fixed upon the man. "'He was not a large man. "'He was even a small one. "'And there was nothing fierce or reckless "'in his appearance, "'nor would one pick him out "'as a man specially endowed with courage "'or even gifted with extraordinary persistence. "'He was not a man of full habit, "'but spare in flesh. "'His complexion was sallow and leathery. "'He had large gray eyes, "'weakly prominent.' and somewhat faded, his hair was thin, not positive in color, and his neck had but little base to it. Not one of us had even noticed him before. Indeed, we might have ridden with him for days, and not one of us would have noticed him, had he not given utterance to such a horrible sentiment, an expression which sounded all the more horrible because of the mildness of tone which accompanied it. "'I said,' repeated the little man, looking benevolently at the judge, "'I said I did not regard death by dynamite as the worst of accidents.' "'The judge glared at the little man for a moment through his eyeglasses. "'He removed the glasses from his nose, wiped them carefully, "'and replacing them took another savage look at the man who sat quietly in a corner. "'Gad, sir!' he exclaimed at length. "'I can't conceive of a worse death than being blown to pieces, "'quick as a flash, without any warning. "'Think of it, sir, by dynamite!' "'No doubt.' "'returned the little man mildly. "'Such a death is somewhat sudden, "'and, physically considered, "'is liable to make a total wreck of a man. "'The conductor told me a few minutes ago "'that one of the gentlemen who was dynamited "'was actually distributed, "'that's the word, as I recall it, "'that he used so much so "'that there was never anything found of him, "'only a thumb or some such thing. "'Not enough, it was decided by the authorities, "'to make a funeral of, Nevertheless, I still respectfully maintain that worse things can happen to a man than death by dynamite. I will confess that I was never more shocked in my life than at the horrible account which the little man in the corner had given of one of the sad accidents which had occurred during the building of the road, and it was made all the more horrible from his manner of telling it, for he had told the dreadful tale in the calmest and most placid of tones, his mild large grey eyes fixed calmly on the face of the judge and without the least movement whatever of any feature of his face i think i may safely say that every other gentleman of the party felt in the same way and that the eyes of all of us were directed upon him in amazement not to say in indignation what could a man meet that would be more dreadful exclaimed the judge excitedly and he glared at the inoffensive stranger through his eye-glasses as if he would perforate him. The stranger never winced under the stare of the judge. He did not even appear nettled in the least, for his eyes, without a shade of change in their expression, fixed their gaze placidly upon him, level with his own. We judge of these things probably from the standpoint of experience, he mildly remarked, and I have personally experienced many things worse than dynamite. We should be pleased, sir, to hear of your experiences sneeringly remarked the judge and his look was one calculated to burst his eyeglasses from their frames it is not worth your attention gentlemen he replied pleasantly bowing it is not worth your attention i am quite sure for i have in one sense had nothing remarkable happen to me and i will detain you but a moment and that because you pleasantly insist upon it a hit which must have made the judge wince and resuming, he gave us the following vindication of his judgment. I have been shipwrecked, been baked in a railroad accident, and fired out of a foundry window by a boiler explosion. I was shot in the neck at Gettysburg, suffered starvation in Libby Prison, fell overboard from a transport off Charleston, and left four of my fingers in the mouth of a shark. I had my right arm broken in two places in a New York riot and stood on a barrow with a halter around my neck in a southern town at the outbreak of the great rebellion from sunrise to sunset i was buried under the ruins of a building in san francisco during an earthquake and dug out after fifty hours of imprisonment i have been shot at three times twice by lunatics and once by a highwayman I was buried two days by a gas explosion in a mine, and narrowly escaped lynching last year in Arizona through mistaken identity, and though I am over fifty and have nearly lost the use of my right leg, have just had, as I understand, all my property, on which there was no insurance, destroyed by fire in a western town, and the doctor in New York to whom I went last week for an examination assures me that I will soon be bedridden from rheumatism. "'Nevertheless,' he added cheerfully, "'while I undoubtedly have met some obstacles in the past, "'I still refuse to believe that luck is against me. "'It was not a question of propriety. "'None of us thought of that. "'Had we done so, our action might have been different. "'But at the conclusion of the little man's narration "'of his experiences, of the history of his life, "'there went up a roar of laughter "'that might have lifted the truck from the rails. "'Indeed, it broke up the party.' One after another we went forward to the main compartment of the car and took our usual seats. Several of the gentlemen apparently began to read, but I noticed that they held their papers as if they were near-sighted, and that the papers shook till they rattled. The judge sat directly ahead of me. One hand he held his eyeglasses, and with the other he wiped his eyes with his handkerchief. At last he turned halfway round in his chair and bending towards me, while his face was convulsed and the water stood in his eyes said dynamite gad dynamite isn't so bad after all chapter three